obviously you see two sides of it. You could get the Calvin Benjamin side of the coin where, yeah, maybe not, not that great. But and on the other side of the coin, you get Josh Allen. And that looks pretty good right now. Hey, this is Dick DeGroat, Bill's dad. And you're now listening to the Wandering Buffalo podcast with your host, Andrew and Justin. Go Bills! Hello and welcome into another episode of the Wandering Buffalo Podcast, a show here on the Built in Buffalo Network. As always, I am your host, Andrew Chang, and alongside me is my co-host, Justin Goddard. Uh, Justin, it is the first week of the off-season podcast, and I guess, you know, as always, how are you doing, and how does that make you feel? Uh, a little hollow today, and I was honestly going through the week, and I was like, the whole week I was feeling like, is there like a football game I'm missing? Something. It seems like the time was just flying by and like going slow at the same time when we had a Bills game coming up. But mm-hmm. from last Sunday to this Sunday, it felt like a month. And then, you know, we get to like three o'clock, and I was like, eh, I'm not even gonna flip on the game. I'm not ready yet. So, I guess right. I guess long way to say I'm not fully recovered yet. But doing better than this time last week. That's great. So. Much like you, it's Sunday as we're recording this. The AFC Championship game is currently playing. And, you know, I was like, all right, I'll 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 turn this on for a little bit. And then I just remembered how upset I was that, you know, that the, the Bills aren't in this game. And I was like, all right, I'm, I'm just going to do other things. So I turned it off. And here we are recording now instead. And, yes, I, I guess I'm still a little bitter. But... We still have an off-season plan to get to, I guess, in terms of what we're going to deliver you as the listeners, and we're going to start off with, you know, some Bills-related news, and in this episode, we're going to talk about, you know, how Brian Dable got hired as the Giants head coach, which shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone at this point because we kind of knew that he was leaving. The real interesting news piece is if the Bills are going to retain Ken Dorsey as their offensive coordinator, if he's going to follow suit with Brian Dable, which it looks like it might happen, but uh, there's not there's not a definitive answer thus far who we think could fill those roles. And then after that, we're going to start a new segment um, which should carry us for about three months or so. So the plan is to still have a weekly episode. Uh, we're going to drop on Mondays. The Thursday Thursday's episodes again won't happen because we don't have a you know episode to preview to. You might see Justin lead some episodes. You might see me lead some episodes just so that both of us can catch a little bit of break since it is the off season for both of us. <laughs> but uh, without further ado, let's get into this first segment, and that's. Brian Dable, as I just mentioned, head coach for the New York Giants. Joe Shane, GM, former assistant GM to the Buffalo Bills, now running things in New York, which I guess is a good thing, right? I mean, it's a bad thing for continuity aspects, but if you have pieces moving from your organization to another one who's struggling so much like the New York Giants... That's got to make you feel a sense of, I guess, 
nationalistic like, is, is the best way I could put it. If you're a diehard Bills fan, you're like, that's my team. Like, you know, I have, I have people in this building, this organization that is truly wanted in another organization with the hopes that they can turn this ship around because we're sinking. And the first piece was Joe Shane, and I, yeah, I'm glad that he didn't go anywhere else because I'm glad he went to the NFC, I should say, if anything. And I'm very happy that Brian Dable didn't take the job in Miami because he was a hot coaching candidate for mainly, you know, for his ability to, you know, develop Josh Allen or maybe Josh Allen helped Brian Dable look a lot better we we don't really know so we'll we'll know a lot more about that in this next season with uh, Josh Allen without Brian Dable but I'm happy for Brian Dable Joe Shane that they were able to you know obviously move on to bigger and better gigs they're in New, New Jersey now and I, I know that they know that <laughs> so um that that is pretty cool for them but the big area of topic here is Ken Dorsey and before we get into Ken as the potential offensive coordinator replacement here why don't you kind of flush out your thoughts about Joe Shane and Brian Dable and their new positions with the New York Giants yeah so like at a macro level like I'm happy for them good for them and I think this is something that we kind of prepared for last year um so we were definitely expecting it this year um I, I think most people this time last year weren't really expecting to have the same coaching staff together um so I, I think this is one of the things that marks you as a good organization where you're having so much success that people want to kind of take a slice of the pie and try to replicate that on their end mm-hmm. um i think the next step for the bills organization um, we'll tell kind of a lot about the future of the Bills on the kind of this is where great teams are made. And this is where you see the coaching trees and the GM trees start um, of as those players get their promotions and go elsewhere to to try to lead their own franchises. What are we mm-hmm. able to do to to replace those pieces? Um, and that kind mm-hmm. of gets to, you know, is it Ken Dorsey or is he on the way out the door too? Um, personally, Joe Shane is he's one that I I didn't really want to see go. I think he's been kind of a low key big piece to this front office. Um, mm-hmm. But as far as Brian Dable goes, uh, I'm kind of on the fence about you know the positives and the negatives of that. Um, as you kind of mm-hmm. mentioned, he gets a lot of credit for his development of Josh Allen, and I think. I think these circumstances are ones where, yes, the coaching had a part of it, um, but I think a guy like Josh Allen, the the biggest piece to his development was Josh Allen. Uh, I think number two to that, I would probably say Jordan Palmer working with him in the off seasons and, and Josh seeking out his help. Um, so while I think that for the first few years of Josh's career, it was kind of like Dayball pulling him up with him. I think we've kind of gotten to a point where Josh was elevating Dayball, and we could see similar success with a different coordinator. Um, there was definitely some really good game plans from Dayball this year, and definitely a few shows mm-hmm. afterwards that we were kind of scratching our heads. So, 
I yeah. think if we just get a coordinator in that, you know, realizes what he has in Josh Allen and, and the weapons on the field, uh, there's a good chance that we don't really see much of a drop off it all in, in the offense next year. One of the things that I noticed with Brian Dable is that you, he's kind of like one of two ways, right? When you kind of look back at his performance, that he's, I well, I'll just say this right off the bat when he came to Buffalo, the one thing I noticed right off the bat was like, okay, well, at least he's willing to try things, you know, try different things, different looks, different formations, and whatnot. And he also included Josh's input in the play, the play calls which were, was really cool because it built up this trust and foundation between the coordinator and the quarterback, and we saw the benefits of that. So that's really interesting and all. But at the other side of things, sometimes you saw a lack of adjustment. And the most recent example I could think of is, and I, I really don't, want to bring hash up this uh scar but you know running the ball three times in a row when clearly it wasn't working taking the ball out of your best player's hand in the most important game of the year which i argue if the bills would have won against the kansas city chief chiefs and made it to the afc championship against the Bengals, i'd still probably argue that that matchup against the chiefs is probably a little more intense and, you know, that that's just a random claim. That's no disrespect to the Bengals, but I just think that the Chiefs are a harder matchup, at least at this point. And who knows? Maybe the Bengals, I mean, they're playing right now. Maybe the Bengals end up beating the Chiefs, and that, that'd be a crazy way to do it. But when I when I think of the bad times with Brian Dable, it's just like, oh, my God, man. Like, where is the adjustment? Where is this? But... That's not to take away from this main point, and that's the fact that Ken Dorsey, where does he go? It's reported that he's either going to be the offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills, and it's not, you know, it's not put out there, but Josh Allen said, you know, there's one person who I'd really, really like to be the offensive coordinator, and I mean, who else is he talking about? Chad Hall? Probably not. It's it's definitely Ken Dorsey, the quarterback's coach, and Brian Dayball allegedly agreed to be a head coach with this idea that they that the Giants were going to get Ken Dorsey to be the offensive coordinator for the New York Giants, a package deal. As of right now, Ken Dorsey hasn't decided. It's like, you know, is he going to go to New York? Is he going to stay in Buffalo? I guess the biggest, the biggest factor here would be money and it looks like uh, the bills might get into a bidding war for ken dorsey justin if you're the bills do you pay ken dorsey whatever he wants to stay in buffalo uh, i mean i would explore kind of what what the value is at this point um but i'm also mm -hmm. looking at this as like the decision for Dorsey, if it's coming down to, you know, following Dayball to make more money or staying in Buffalo and kind of inheriting that offense, 
Um, that's that's kind of a thing where you're chasing dollars or you're chasing championships right now to me. And I yeah, that's another thing I really want to talk about real quick. You're an offensive coordinator, and you want to go to Daniel Jones over Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs. What? Like, I don't know. I just don't really see the, you know, money aside. Like, why would you pick Daniel Jones and company versus Josh Allen and company? Just, just saying. Yeah, Sorry. that's kind of where my curiosity comes with Dorsey. Um, I understand, you know, some of these jobs are hard to get and whatnot, and the money that comes with that. So you got to kind of take your paydays when you can. Um, but from my perspective, if your goal as a coach is to eventually make it to a head coaching ranks, do you have a better chance of sticking in Buffalo and taking over that offense um, versus kind of the project that you're going to have to undertake with Dayball in, in New York? And yeah, they might be looking to bring in a different quarterback or roll with things, but from from the sounds of it, and you know, there's a lot of coach speak this time of the year. Um, but it sounds like Dayball's excited to work with Daniel Jones. Um, so for me personally, to answer your original question, are you kind of giving Dorsey a blank check? I don't think so. And mm. I know there's no salary cap on coaches and coordinators and whatnot, but at the same time, I think part of the reward of staying in Buffalo should also be the opportunity that you're you're kind of being just handed um, versus the uphill climb that you're going to have with the Giants. Okay, m- let me re- reward my question. Do you want Ken Dorsey to be the offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills? Yes, and I think if you're losing Dayball and you're losing that little bit of continuity – Having somebody that was working under him is familiar with, you know, not just the players on the field, but how they tick off the field, um, the type of chemistry they have. You know, obviously, when when people are coming out and advocating for him, like they're going to ride with him. That's their guy versus bringing in one guy from outside the organization that kind of has to do a feeling out process. And now we're installing a completely different playbook versus kind of working off of what was already in place. Yes. I'm all for promoting from within. I think Dorsey's done plenty to, to earn it. My only real hesitation is he's never actually been a play caller. Um, But Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of something where you work with Josh and the offensive pieces and you've been watching Dayball and there might be a little bit of growing pains, but you got number 17. You can overcome a lot. Not to mention, Josh has the ability to go to the line, read defenses, and to and to check into other plays. There have been plenty of times and examples with Josh and Brian Dable working together, and Josh goes to the line and goes like, no, I don't really like this. Let me do this instead. And Brett Dable's like, okay. I mean, what is he going to do? Yell in the Josh's ear like, no, go back, you idiot. Like, no, like. Come on. <laughs> Josh has full autonomy of this offense, and they work together. Uh, so let's say that, well, let me, let me bridge this in a little better. Have you ever watched how I met your mother? Oh yeah. Okay. So, you know, when Lily and Marshall are, I guess Marshall kind of learns the concept of reaching and settling. And he thinks that 
he's the reacher and Lily Lily is the settler. Mm-hmm. Are we potentially reaching for Ken Dorsey or are we potentially selling settling for Ken Dorsey? And we talked about the, you know, reaching because we want him back. We want him retained. But let's, you know, play devil's advocate. Let's say that, you know, with a we just know that Ken Dorsey might not be the best option out there. You know, there are other options out there, which this is true. If we settle for Ken Dorsey, what are we giving up in order to get Ken Dorsey? Let's explore some potential options that are out there. And not saying that these are my number one go-tos, but, you know, there are some really interesting names out there. And I'm not going to pick people within the organization just because I don't think anyone's necessarily that experienced enough maybe Chad Hall, but he's a really young guy who just got to wide receivers coach maybe a year or two ago, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe. I'm thinking of maybe bringing someone else in, maybe a former head coach, if we can't bring Ken Dorsey in uh, or back and he goes to the Giants. Maybe someone like a Doug Peterson who got a lot of juice uh, out of you know Carson Wentz. And he was part of that Carson Palmer offense out in Arizona. And I understand things kind of fell apart with the Eagles his last year there. But that is a name that would be kind of interesting to me. Who do you have on your list if we can't get Ken Dorsey? And that you would be interested in the Bills kind of, I guess, looking into. So I think I think Doug Peterson is also, for me, probably the most intriguing Mm-hmm. Um, my, my pause there is kind of fresh off of a head coaching gig. It's, it's kind of like the old adage. It took a year off. Yeah. It took a year off. But still pretty fresh. Just kind of like the old adage of like too many chefs spoil the soup. It's kind of like, how is he going to mesh with McDermott being head coach? And Well, they both worked in Philly under Andy Reid. Yes. And so this one... My particular thought process there is kind of hard for me to answer because I don't know them at a personal level. Um, Mm -hmm. Doug Peterson could come in and have the utmost respect for McDermott and be like, hey, man, this is your show. I'm just over here doing my thing. Um, But I I could see a potential kind of I'm used to being in charge and a little bit of personality clashing there. Um, I feel like to your, your reaching and settling point there, I do think that there's a chance that trying to retain Dorsey is the settling option. And I only say that in that there are head coach, former head coaches out there. There's up and coming offensive coordinators. Um, There's just, there's just some different options that you could have. And we don't really know that Dorsey's that guy yet. We're kind of like, kind of like a Brandon Bean draft, you know, where, we're betting on the upside and and hoping he develops into that. Mm-hmm. Um, I I do honestly feel like he's probably grown pretty close with Dayball, and if he wasn't seriously considering the Giants' job, um, I I think it would have been shut down right away. Um, so I'm I'm fully expecting to to lose Dorsey, and honestly, I would say. 
I would have to say Peterson's my hottest candidate out there. I've mm-hmm. I've seen I've seen some strange names get thrown around and, and like Adam Gase got thrown in there. Oh. Not that. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to quickly move on to the next segment here. Um but Adam Gase. Think about what where he came from. He was the quarterback guru. He had Peyton Manning in Denver, and then he gets his shot in Miami. Who, with the power of hindsight, who had really elevated who? Was it Peyton Manning elevating Adam Gase or Adam Gase elevating Peyton Manning? I think we all know the answer here. And I'm not saying that this is the same thing, but... Maybe we're looking at a potential similar situation. Maybe Brian Dable doesn't have that same success without Josh Allen. And not saying that he's a bad coordinator, not saying anything like that, because Brian Dable did plenty of good things for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, It's just Josh Allen's a specimen. And if you don't have that specimen on your team, it makes play, it makes playing football out of script that much harder. So we're going to take a quick break, but, you know, stick around because we got a very interesting segment to get to, which we're going to carry on for the next couple of weeks. So stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Dick DeGroote, Bill's dad. Now back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Wandering Buffalo podcast. I am your host, Andrew Chang, and my co-host here is Justin Goddard. You can find us on most social media and podcasting platforms, and even on YouTube by searching up the Wandering Buffalo podcast. You can find Justin at jgods22, and you can find me at 2Changs. And we got to talk about our new segment here, which is going to carry us on for the next 12 weeks. This will be week one of 13. So, and if you can do, if you can kind of get where, I'm, get where I'm going is that the last 13 seconds of that Kansas City Chief game, and I don't want to bring up scars, right? I don't want to bring up something that was fairly recent, but that sucked. It really sucked. What I really enjoyed, though, was. How Josh Allen, and he had a quote that said, like, you know, yes, this hurts right now. It stings, but you can't, and I'm paraphrasing here. I don't I don't know the quote exactly, but he said something along the lines, you, you got to like what the, what the future holds for us in this, you know, this team. And this segment is 13 reasons to be excited for the Buffalo Bills. So here's week one of 13. And we're just going to carry this for as long as we can, obviously, into the 13 weeks. And after each week, we're not going to do repeats, and we're just going to go for it. So, Justin, I'm going to pick the first reason for us to be excited, one of 13. And I'm hard-pressed for you to disagree with me on this point, but I'm going to say I'm most optimistic Reason number one is Brandon Bean. Okay. I could have gone player here, could have gone coach, but I'm going straight to the top with Brandon Bean. And 
I'll tell you why I, I'm picking Brandon Bean as number one. And the you know this there's no order of like oh he's the most important reason and number thirteen isn't like I'm just picking reasons like there's no hierarchy on this list, just reasons in general. But I watched that seventy one or two minute exit interview that he had with the media, and he opened it off by saying like I'm. I, you know, you could just feel the emotion in his voice. I'm really sorry we couldn't get it done. Like, you know, I got home. We got home at like 3 a.m. and there's Bill's Mafia at the airport. And, you know, I, I just felt sick to my stomach. I, I wanted, I was fully expecting boos. I wanted a boo at me. But you guys just came out and was cheering. And he said he wanted to get everyone hugs and that he was truly sorry that the team couldn't get it done and he he was just very candid and it was refreshing to see that kind of level of emotion with someone of Brandon Bean's caliber because as the GM he, he's realistically a businessman but it was great to see that he was human at the same time and when he was asked all these hard questions like hey what are we going to do with you know, Mario Edison or Emmanuel Sanders, he didn't say like, yeah, we'll, we'll, they're not coming back or something. He said, you know, if it makes sense, you know, we'll talk to him, but the money has to make sense. And when he said, we got asked questions about Cole Beasley, he's like, yeah, I would fully anticipate him being back. You could listen to his responses. And if you were paying attention enough, you would, you got, you got the answer that you need to hear from Brandon Bean in all 71 minutes, which is great. Now, he also said he's not going to be a big, you know, spender in free agency because the Bills don't have that much cap uh, cap space. But, and he said he's probably going to have to move some numbers around, which is something he doesn't want to do. And But he will probably have to do it to make this team competitive. But all in all, I'm just really optimistic of Brandon Bean's leadership of the Buffalo Bills because he's just an honest dude like he's an honest dude and I feel like I can connect with him even though I've never met the man and he's financially responsible he understands that if he moves contracts around or that he can't retain certain people back just to just to bring them back and he's the value has to be there, and he's so aware that everything needs to be a calculated decision in order for it to make sense for the Buffalo Bills to be successful in the future. So a lot, a lot there, but very well said. And I like your your first answer of Brandon being here. And I think that last year, you know, Post-draft, there was a lot of talk of, you know, well, what did he do to make the Bills better this year? And, you know, yeah, we got some good pieces that should be able to develop and help us maybe two, three years down the line, but we're right on the cusp of the Super Bowl. How are we getting over the hump this year? And with the results of the season, it it's kind of still easy to argue that point, but what I like about Brandon Bean is – like you said, in the press conference, yes, him as a businessman is a different person, but also seeing him up there 
as just like at the same time like another emotionally invested Bills fan um, mm. with a lot more at stake. Um, so a lot of crit- criticism last year for double dipping at the defensive end position. Well, mm-hmm. easy to have that criticism going into a season where we had you know as much depth as we did. Um, but now you get to this year and you know what's going to happen with Jerry Hughes? What's going to happen with Mario Addison? Um, mm-hmm. Those are two two very key pieces on the defense that were getting 40, 50% of the snaps. And there's a chance that one or both of them are gone. So you, you could have been going into this free agency, this draft, having another two holes to fill. And mm-hmm. what I what I really like about Brandon Bean is, you know, you're talking about his fiscal responsibility and you see, you know, kind of, we might get upset in the moment that, you know, we wanted a stud cornerback too. Like, for example, that, that's something I was looking for in the draft. Um, mm-hmm. But he's kind of, I think he's kind of determined that as long as he has Josh Allen as his quarterback, that Super Bowl window is open. So it's kind of what can we do to keep the rest of the team around him competing? Um, and then you kind of see the polar opposite of the the Los Angeles Rams team right now. Mm-hmm. If I was a fan of the Rams, I would be scared shitless after this season because they're, they're really toying with the kind of the idea that the, the salary cap is made up and you can push money around and blah 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 but i mean they're moving all their draft picks to do it they're they're spending money like crazy and restructuring and kicking things down the road that all comes to a head at some point and whether it's this year two years three years mm-hmm. it's it's going to come to get them in the meantime so it's kind of how many years of your of your franchise do you want a mortgage on going for it all for one or two years of super bowl and right yeah i would love to be watching the Bills lift the trophy at the end of the year. Um, but I think I would also, at the same time, rather know that we have a chance to be competitive for for 10 years versus mortgaging it all on a two- to three-year window. Yeah, where that two- to three-year window isn't a guaranteed. Right. Is that what you're saying? Okay. Because, you know, part of my initially I was like, well, if the Bills could win a Super Bowl – Next year, and we go to 10 years of, you know, previous, like, pre-Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean era, I'm thinking to myself, like, well, you know, maybe that deal will look a little sweeter and sweeter every time. Yeah, it's, it's a spicy idea, but you're looking at, you know, it's, sure, it's working out for them this year. What if, Super Bowl gang. What if you have Matthew Stafford go down week one of next year? Mm-hmm. Where you at now, and you you don't have you don't have like any draft capital to continue building the team around them. So you're going to have to just keep spending money on free agents, and yeah, it's a tough cycle. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. And I'm, you know, going back to your point, this is why I personally wanted Brandon Bean to be on be one of thirteen reasons why we should be optimistic for the Buffalo Bills. He is smart. Big Baller Bean is smart. And, you know, we have the power of hindsight. And I'll just go over this real quickly. But 
you know, some of these contracts that he handed out, such as the John Feliciano one, maybe not looking too hot right now, but he can also get cut after this season. Then you look at Darrell Williams, like, ah, he's kind of getting tackle money for a guard position. And not looking that great. Also, that can get fixed and resolved real quickly. But let's take a step back. One year ago, when Brandon Bean was able to re-sign John Feliciano, and we were like, oh, we got we got him back. And then we got, you know, we, we signed what we thought was the answer at right tackle, which was Darrell Williams. And we were so infatuated we were like oh we got we got the line back the gang's getting back together this is great josh allen's gonna have ultimate protection and then what does brandon bean do right after that and i don't i don't know if it's in this exact order but you're getting the idea and he brings matt milano back boom he brought back so many people isaiah mckenzie levi wallace all these people and that's what we wanted as bills fans he got us, and from what he knew at the time, in the direction where we needed to go. And with the power of hindsight, yes, it could we have gotten better in certain areas or should we have handed out different contracts? Yeah, probably, but I don't think any of those were bad contracts, and I still don't think any of these are bad contracts. And if they were, and if they are, sorry, Brandon Bean is smart enough to build him, build himself an exit an exit door you know like if this is a highway analogy he's got he's got an exit ramp for each year you know he he's he's smart like that so i that's why i'm really excited and oper, uh, opportunistic of what he can do with the buffalo bills in their future but justin i'll let you wrap up here and then uh, i think we we're getting out of here right yeah it just one of the other things I really like about Brandon Bean is he's not afraid to take the swings at the plate. You know, we, we've seen him have some misses and it's the NFL. Like every GM team organization takes swings on, on situations that don't work out. Um, but what we've really seen from him, um, one of the first ones was bringing in Kelvin Benjamin. And I don't know about you, I was pretty hyped that Kelvin Benjamin was coming to yeah. town, and I was very excited. It, it was, you know, a big-bodied receiver, you know, catch radius, all all the things that went thousand with it. year thousand-yard rookie year season. Yeah, and it was really exciting to to bring in a player that had kind of that pedigree that we hadn't really mm-hmm. seen GMs make the move for, um, and that was a dumpster fire. It went terribly. It was ended up being a horrible decision. But you know what? He cut bait. He got out of that. He got Benjamin off the team. Um, and we've seen that with other, you know, the draft pick of Zay Jones not working out. Well, mm-hmm. we missed this one and got him out of town. That was McDermott, though. That was McDermott's pick. Ah, true. <laughs> that I'll, I'll, they're in lockstep, so I'm going to give that one mm-hmm. to Bean. I'll give that one to Bean anyways. <laughs> Um, but the other thing I, I really like about um, Bean is kind of being ahead of the curve. And yes, he's had some misses in free agency. And I'm thinking of like Trent Murphy, Vernon Butler, you know, kind of trying to bring in these guys to to fill a role. Um, but also at the same time, his his drafting and letting players develop and then 
rewarding them with an extension. Um, I think that's something that's underrated because the the guys on the team see this happening and they're like, oh, okay, they appreciate what we're doing here. Um, mm-hmm. Players are getting extended early and it's like, hey, man, thanks for your hard work. We're going to lock you up. And not only do I think that's great for like the team and the locker room and the morale, um, but I think it's also has a sneaky advantage fiscally of, you know, we see Trey White get his extension and I I believe he was the highest paid cornerback in the league for like an hour, two seconds. (laughs) And (laughs) let's do this before Jalen Ramsey or, you know, Jalen Ramsey and Lattimore came, I think it was in Mm. the same day. Um, So not only did he have that benefit of kind of rewarding one of his guys ahead of the curve, but you also saved like, I think it was like four or five million dollars annually, um, yeah. just by getting it done early. So it's kind of mm-hmm. a win-win in that situation, and I think that's something that doesn't really get talked about enough with Bean. Yeah, he's very tactful. And before we get out of here, you brought up Calvin Benjamin, and I think this is a good way to seg- segue it out of this um, segment. Brandon Bean gave a third-round pick for Calvin Benjamin. Brandon Bean traded his way up to number seven to get Josh Allen. And I remember thinking at the time with both of those, you know, acquisitions to get, you know, Josh Allen or Calvin Benjamin, all I could think to myself at that moment was, this is encouraging because he's swinging for the fences. You know, he, he's going for it. Obviously, you see two sides of it. You could get the Calvin Benjamin side of the coin where, yeah, maybe that, not that great. But and on the other side of the coin, you get Josh Allen. And that looks pretty good right now. He got the one that was most important, right? And that's not to say that he won't get more right down the road, but he'll probably get some wrong ones down the road too. But what I really, what what's really encouraging for me is that he's willing to swing for the fences, and that's that's a great way to end this episode. So uh, thanks for listening to another episode of the Wandering Buffalo Podcast, a show here on the Built in Buffalo Network. Um, again, you can find our episodes dropping in the off season on Mondays. Um, Justin, where can the people find you? You can find me on any social medias at jgods22. And you can find me on social media accounts by searching up two jangs. Uh, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Catch us next week where we talk about reason number two to be excited for the Buffalo Bills. Um, you know, upcoming season or seasons, really. And if you're interested in joining our show, feel free, feel free to reach out to us on our social media and podcasting platforms and even on YouTube by searching up the Wander Buffalo Podcast. Thank you for listening. It's been a crazy, you know, regular season, but lots to go over in the off season. So thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. And, of course, and as always, Go Bills! Go Bills.